Thank you, Randy. And thank you, Tiffany, for uh, reading from the Jesus Storybook Bible again this morning. If you're just uh, joining with us online, we have been going through the Jesus Storybook Bible since uh, July 18, I think. That's when we started it. And if you still don't have one, feel free to reach out to uh, office at princetoncrc.org. We have extra copies if you want one for you and your family, or if you are over 65 and you want to see what this children's Bible book is all about, uh, just, just reach out. We'd love to be able to share that uh, with you, our gift to you. You know, before this whole global pandemic thing started, if you can remember that far back, right, before you needed to start wearing masks, before, you know, uh, shelves were empty of toilet paper for some reason, before you find yeast to make bread, before you couldn't find uh, flour to make bread, we were still the most anxious and worried people ever. A study done by the uh, American Psychiatric Association in 2017 found that basically every age group was more anxious than their predecessors. They were more anxious now in 2017 than what they were in 2016 and earlier. And that counts Generation Z, the Millennials, Generation X, all the way up to the baby boomers. If you're tracking with it, that means people in their teens all the way into their 70s are the most anxious, the most worried, the most perhaps stressed that they'd ever been. Makes me wonder what, what does that look like now? Three years removed from seeing the most anxious people, I wonder what it would show. That study showed that one in five people experienced anxiety and worry so great they sought out medical or psychiatric help. It's actually about 30%. So in reality, if you think about it, there are, I think, just under 60 people in this room. How many people then, out of this room, if it's one in five even, quite a few, and, and we could be worried about a variety of different things, worried about money, about having enough money to pay for your bills as you're sitting on your computer tracking everything down, worried about whether or not you're going to be able to keep your job because you're the, the low man or the low woman on the totem pole at your office. Maybe instability in housing for people. That was something that people were very anxious and worried about during this time. What happens if I lose my, my job and I can't pay for my house anymore? Are they just going to kick me out? People anxious about not having enough to eat. That's why this, this next year we're going we're gonna to start a community garden and try to share fresh produce and fresh foods with people who, who are in need of them making ourselves aware, anxiety about personal debt, whether it's credit cards or the home or the, the car or the student loans or whatever it is that you're experiencing, a form of anxiety. But it's not just money. 
anxiety regarding health, about maybe not knowing what's wrong in your life that's causing you to feel a certain way. We've had people in our congregation feeling that way, even now, just desiring to hear hear answers, and, and, and every appointment that they have reveals absolutely nothing, and they just get more and more anxious and worried. Relationships can be another place of of anxiety. About meeting new people, going and experiencing new places. Even getting on the phone and, and talking someone on the phone causes anxiety. So many things. And then there's, I guess, the the elephant in the room. 69% of Americans in 2017 said that they experienced worry and anxiety based on our nation's future. That was 2017. They said it was a significant amount of stress in their life worrying about what would happen in our nation three years ago. I wonder what that would be today. Better or worse? I don't know. Perhaps you've seen people and uh, worry about what's going on in the government or, or have specific opinions about what might happen, anxieties about things happening in the government or things outside of the government, all of these things coalescing into a more anxious people, I bet, than in 2017. And maybe you feel like at just some small level that you're in that spot with, with one out of five other Americans that you feel like you cannot handle your stress and your anxiety on your own and you need to, to seek out someone to talk to. Maybe you feel that way. That's fine. That's good. Today we're, we're coming to this section of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Continuing in Matthew chapter 6 to see what what Jesus himself had to say about worry and anxiety. Feel free to grab your Bible if you got them or grab your app and and head to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 25. It'll also be on the screen for us. Here are these words. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith, So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? 
For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows what you need. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This tells us something, that the people in 2017 were not the first people to be anxious, the people who took that study. Even people who took studies earlier than that weren't the first people to be anxious or worried about what was going on in their life. We see here that even people Jesus was preaching to on the side of this mountain had concerns and worries and anxieties about their life. In fact, we just read 10 verses, and half of them have the word worry in them. Verse 25, 28, 31, and 34, Jesus say, do not, just, do not worry. And verse 27 brings it as a question, can you add to your life by worrying? You know, from what I've been told is if people are anxious and worrying, the least helpful thing you can do is tell them to not worry. I don't think that's made anyone necessarily feel better if they're worried about taking this exam that's coming up that they're trying so hard to prepare for and they're, they're so worried about, or preparing a, to write a sermon that you're going to have a pastor listen in on as well as an elder of the church, huh? Right? Uh, it might cause anxiety in me saying, hey, just don't worry about it might not make Hong's anxiety go away, might not make people's anxiety go away. Don't worry about the people you're going to meet. It'll be fine. Apparently, no one told Jesus that's the least, light, least helpful thing. But I think that's because there's something else going on. He's saying don't worry and trying to refocus our life on what is important the things that are the most important. And now, I want to be clear. As I tried to mention earlier, if, if you feel anxiety and worry so great in your life that is debilitating and affecting how you live, and, and whether even if you want to pick up the phone or leave the house or anything like that, feel free to reach out to someone for help. There's no shame in that God values our bodies. He values our lives. He, he created them. He created our minds, and he wants to see them work well. And, and he's created us in a way that we can seek out help and that we've created medication to help balance chemicals in our mind. And that is all a good thing because God values you. He values your mind. He values your body. So, this whole sermon is not to say that you shouldn't do that, because if you need to, you should. But in reality, Jesus is trying to show us where the root of our worry comes from. What is it that we're focusing on, maybe too much, that, that causes us to have this mind of worry and I think one of the areas is worry has to do with control. 
Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Worry happens when we try to control things that are out of our control. And I think it happened in the beginning, too, if we we reach all the way back to July, uh, maybe it was actually August, when we looked at the passage about Adam and Eve. They decided to, to not follow guidelines that God had put in life for safe and good living in the garden. And instead, they decided to start controlling or being in charge of things that they weren't in control of. And when they did that, after they ate of the fruit, what they realized was a whole host of things now that they needed to worry about. They were never afraid of God, and yet now somehow because they decided to control something out of their control, they now were fearful of God, and they started hiding from him. When they were controlling things out of their control, all of a sudden they realized they didn't have clothes, and they were perhaps fearful of what their mate was thinking about them, and so they needed to to clothe themselves, to cover themselves up. Controlling things out of our control is when we begin to worry. But I think the reality is when we realize that we don't have control of everything and everything all of the sudden out of nowhere seems out of control like you can't handle anything, what we're really realizing is that I was never in control in the first place. As much as I'd like to think and tell myself I am in control, God is actually the one who's in control. I'm trying to control things that are under his control. I'm trying to take leadership and and things away from God and to control them in ways and in purposes that I want to see happen rather than recognizing that he's in control and I'm not. And when we try to control these things that are out of our control, we kind of ask ourselves, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? When we try to control things that are out of our control, we experience anxiety, we experience worry, we experience stress, and that's why I have more gray hair in my beard now than I did three years ago. Trying to control and manage things that are not in my control. Jesus says, look at the birds. Look at the birds, how they, they don't store or, or reap or, or sow. They don't store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. It's interesting, it's a birds. The, the picture of birds just doing naturally what they would normally do to make nests for their, for their young, to, to care for the young, to feed their young, things that would be natural to them, and yet somehow Jesus is saying it's not just the birds that's working towards those things that they do naturally, but it's God who is providing for them while they are doing that. God cares for them, and he says that you are more valuable than birds. You don't need to control all the things that seem out of control in your life. 
You don't need to worry about every specific detail of which you don't know what's going to happen when you make this phone call or meet that person. Because are you not more valuable than the birds that God cares for? And we see that continue when, when we see him move to the story about grass. Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of the, was dressed like one of these. The grass is an example. The grass is here today and, and gone tomorrow. The grass doesn't work on its own to find water, even though I think there's certain people here um, that like to see their grass a certain way and may, maybe uh, don't leave it up to God to see how he cares for the grass and they decide to put fertilizer on it and aerate it and do all these things, right? Uh, there's something, but that's not the example. When, when we think about the example, the example is the beautiful bluegrass meadows that we see that someone didn't toil over Someone didn't aerate it at the beginning of the season or at the end. They didn't throw fertilizer on it. They didn't make sure it was watered, and yet God cared for it. And when we look out at that bluegrass meadow, we see beauty. We see wonderful flowers springing about there. And that, that could just be gone tomorrow. And yet God cares for it and he loves it and he sees the beauty in it. But how much more does God care about you? We read back in, in Genesis that it was Jesus or it was God who, who created people and put his image in them and loved them and said that it was very good after he put his image here in the world. How much more does he care about you who reflects his own image to the world. Worrying is about controlling the things that are out of control, trying to take precedence over God's sovereignty in our life. It's trusting in our own power rather in God's power. Worry doesn't always only have to do with control. It can do with another thing. Priorities. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Sometimes our own personal priorities are what causes our worry and our anxiety. When we get up every morning, we really choose to do one of two things. We either choose to build our own kingdom or we, we choose to build God's kingdom or we choose to seek God's kingdom. Do we seek our own or do we seek his? And I think sometimes when we think about what we want and what God wants, we, we kind of make them intertwined. We, we say, well, some things are, are the same, and, and, and some things that I do desire are a part of God's kingdom, right? And, and, and perhaps that's the case. 
hear these uh, words from Kevin DeYoung, a pastor and professor. We're not seeking first the advancement of people with our own skin color. We're not seeking first the advancement of Western civilization. We're not seeking first the triumph of our political party or even our nation. We're seeking first God's kingdom. We're not seeking first our own priorities, whatever they may be. We're seeking first God's kingdom. And God is going to divine those priorities for us when we read his word in scripture. When we seek his kingdom, we're going to be recognizing that we're going to be doing one of the values of this church, which is growing in his truth. Not just one person's opinion about his truth, but we're actually reading and involved in Scripture. That's why we try to have Scripture on the screen every time we look at it so we can see it together. We can see exactly where these pieces of Scripture come from. When we, when we think about a, a kingdom seeking first God's kingdom, which is based on his word, versus seeking and building our own kingdom, we realize the only one of these two kingdoms that has any lasting and staying power is his kingdom, his priorities. That's why we've seen the church for over 2,000 years stay in existence and even flourish the most when it has been persecuted. Because it's God's kingdom that will be grown, it won't be ours. Hear these words from Matthew chapter 6, 19, verse 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Don't build your own kingdom. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Seek God's kingdom. Where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. If our, if our treasure and our focus is on us being in control and building our own kingdom, Worry and anxiety and stress will follow because we are not God. As much as we want our kingdom to go a certain way, as much as we want our things to go the way we want them, it probably won't. Where if your priority instead is on God's kingdom and seeking first his kingdom and seeking first his righteousness, which is the way that we are living in honor of him, following after Christ's example, then we won't experience the same worries. We won't be stressed out by the same things because we'll be resting and understanding that God has a a value in our life and that God values and loves us so much that he will care for us each and every day. It doesn't mean that those days are, are going to be filled with lollipops and roses and they're going to be the easiest days of your life, though. But when we have the priorities on God, when we realize we're not in control, then all these other things, they don't matter. It doesn't matter if the stock market is up or down. Doesn't matter if I spent 207 on gas last week and I would have spent 211 today. 
doesn't, doesn't matter about any of those things that change in our life because we're rooted not in these things that are out of our control, but we're instead rooted underneath God's shepherding and sovereign control, seeking his kingdom in his righteousness. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be people who seek your kingdom and not our own. And sometimes that's hard. Help us by your spirit to be aware of those times where we try to to take over your kingdom and add something into it that isn't there. Help us to reflect more deeply on your word and what is present and how to live out as your kingdom people here on earth, seeking your justice and your righteousness, sharing your love, trying to live in ways which are righteous and honoring to you. Help us us focus more on those things and less on the things that we can't control. Help us rest more fully in your love in our life and and that you will care for us and that you do love us and that we are more valuable than birds and grass. Give us rest as as we take on your priorities and rest in your control. Help us to not be anxious about the fate of the church because the fate of the church has never rested upon the fate of any nation. The fate of the church rests alone in your power and your authority in this world and you will see to it that the church fulfills what you've set it out to do. Help us to be people in your church, living out your will, living out your priorities. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.